Thanks for tuning in to Talk FX, a podcast created for other Fragile X families to share their stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X syndrome. If you have never heard of Fragile X before, this podcast is for you. So with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. for tuning in to another episode of Talk FX. Um, today I have the absolute pleasure of introducing Stephanie. And if you could um, just remind me how to say your last name so I don't butcher it. Yes, it's Hanrahan. Hanrahan. Okay, that's exactly what it looks like. Yes. But you know. <laughs> um, well, guys, she is the mother to two children with autism. Um, she's also the creator of Tinkles Her Pants, which we'll get into, don't worry. Um, and also the nonprofit organization Labeled and Loved. Um, she wears so many hats, it's hard to uh, not have a five-minute intro. So <laughs> because she does so much, um, not only for her family, as it's so evident, but also just for the special needs community and just being an amazing um, advocate and voice. So uh, it's such a pleasure to welcome you, Stephanie, on the podcast. And I am so excited to just jump into things. Thank you for having me. That was a beautiful intro. I appreciate it. (laughs) Of course. Um, Well, why don't you just start off by sharing a little bit about yourself and your family? Absolutely. So I have a very colorful story is how I like to describe it. Um, and from the you know moment my life started, it was just really a lot of trial overcome, trial overcome. But once I married my husband, I thought, okay, this is it. I just get to coast into my future. Let's have those two kids put up the white picket fence. Everything will be perfect. And then a couple years into our marriage, we had a few miscarriages and then had two beautiful angel babies, my daughter, Campbell, who's now eight, and our son, Eli, who's now six. But when they were quite young, Campbell was two and Eli was only six weeks old. Our challenges as a family really began in a very unique way. My husband, who is, you know, six foot three, former athlete, kind of that epitome of physical health, one day was getting out of bed and he just flatlined. His heart stopped. And unbeknownst to us, he has a really rare, really chronic and genetic heart condition. His heart is three times as thick as it should be. It's overworked. It's tired. It's prone to stopping. And that's exactly what it did that day when he was getting out of bed. Um, So quite frankly, the only reason I'm not a widow right now is during his flatline, he um, broke his back on our nightstand during his fall. And that jolt of shattering his spine restarted his heart. So the only reason I still have a husband right now is, you know, because of that extra amount of pain. Mm. And so I always kind of pause at that point in our story. And I, I have to constantly remind myself that sometimes when pain feels like it's piling on and it's never ending, it can also be purposeful. It can also be there to save your life. And that's exactly what happened to Sean. So that is his story. 
And right as we were kind of figuring things out with him, navigating our way through heart disease, I started to notice that our daughter Campbell was presenting with some really obvious signs of autism. So, uh, and then very shortly thereafter, my son Eli would be diagnosed with autism as well. So in the matter of a few years, it was a complete demolition and rebuild of our faith and family. Um, Everything I thought was going to be perfect and so predictable completely was shattered and taken away and we began to rebuild. So that is kind of the, the very short condensed version of my family. All right. Wow. Well, first of all, it is, you know, um, I read your uh, post that you, I think you recently did um, regarding your husband and kind of those details of his fall. And um, it was very um, crazy to think that, like you said, that pain actually of falling actually saved his life. Um, That's just so crazy. But I am so glad to hear that, you know, He's, you know, still um, uh, living each day with with you and your kids, and I hope that um, his health is is um, okay. I hope he's, you know, doing all right right now. Um, yeah, also, he's good. He's stable. Well, <laughs> That's good. You just gotta take it day by day. Yeah, which is true for all of us, right? You know, absolutely. Um, you know, and and I. Uh, heard that you said, you know, you, your daughter was showing um, obvious signs of autism. Have, had you heard or, or had you been um, knowledgeable of autism prior to noticing those, um, you know, I guess, symptoms of autism or were you unfamiliar or like, where were you at um, when you were kind of starting to notice some of those delays? Yes. So I was pretty negligent about autism. I'll be honest about that. I had never knowingly met anyone with autism. No one in my mom's circle had a child with autism yet. Um, And so Campbell, when I started noticing just some really interesting quirks about her. um, So she was always a really brilliant child. And that's not just, you know, proud mom talk. It's really truth. By 13 months old, she was speaking in full sentences. She could say, you know, S is for sun and T is for table. She was just brilliant. And we were really proud of her. But then we started to notice that a lot of that speech, although it seemed advanced, was really scripted. So she would memorize things from TV shows or books or just things she found interesting. And she would repeat them. She would recite them. So while it was impressive that she had a lot of words early on, it wasn't free thought. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of started notice she was scripting and repeating um, words as they were coming in would come out of her mouth. So if I said, I love you, Campbell, she would say, I love you, Campbell, instead of I love you, mom. So there's just a little bit of a disconnect. And then by the age of about 18 months, when you know she's opening her Christmas present, she started flapping with joy. And I was like, wow, this seems interesting in comparison to the other children I was observing because we'd always go to the play groups and, you know, kids always wandered away from their moms, but they always looked back or came back and Campbell never would. She would just keep going, which we now know is called elopement. Um, so I had no idea at first about autism, but all of these pieces were just starting to put my antennas up as a mom. Mm-hmm. And I took those concerns to our pediatrician and 
you know, to our family and friends and they're like, oh, she's just smart and quirky. But I just knew in my gut that something was a little bit different. And so the more digging and the more research I did, I discovered, hey, I think this could be autism. And in fact, by the time she was three, that's when she would receive her diagnosis and confirm it. Wow. Well, you know, it, every every family that I have, you know, had the pleasure of um, talking with about, you know, their experiences with their diagnosis stories, oftentimes it also it always starts with that, you know, just mom gut, you know, like just that feeling as a mom, like you know something is up, and um, it's that action that you take, you know, to find out the answers that really helps you to be able to support your child moving forward. So, um, it's always good to listen to our mommy gut. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And also like a fine line between my antennas are up and I'm, I'm thinking something might be off versus excessive worrying, right? Because right. it's so hard not to go for me to worst case scenarios, but I always tell people when they write into my blog and they say, you know, I'm seeing this in my child or I'm seeing that like, hey, here's your two symptoms of autism doesn't always equal autism, right? We all have things that um, like a speech delay does not essentially always equal a diagnosis with autism. So it's right. good to be concerned. It's good to be proactive. But I also, you know, your child is who they were always intended to be. So kind of let those things unravel and, you know, act accordingly. But I wish that a lot of my worry I would have subsided earlier on. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things that's absolutely, uh, I feel like it's easier said than done, you know, because um, yes. it's all new to families when they're, you know, like you said, you had this envisionment for your family and it just didn't, uh, you know, turn out that way. And um, you, a lot of families can say the same thing, but, you know, they just kind of uh, go with, with what they were given, you know, and support their child the best that they can. So, um have you had you, you know, prior to obviously me reaching out to you uh, from this podcast, had you heard of Fragile X syndrome before? So I have a background as a labor and delivery nurse, and then oh. part of my career was spent in high risk OB obstetrics. Um, and so I have knowledge from that standpoint, but not from a personal standpoint of, you know, experiencing it firsthand with a child. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure that you've probably heard that Fragile X is the leading genetic cause of autism. So um, many, many uh, individuals that are diagnosed with full mutation Fragile X also um, are co-diagnosed with autism. So um, they, they have a lot of the same um, uh, developmental and behavioral characteristics as autism. So um yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting how they're actually similar. Like my cousin, who's 14, he actually uh, was diagnosed with autism first at only two and a half, and then um, was co-diagnosed with Fragile X syndrome, which is, you know, the genetic side of things. So um, it's very interesting to, um, you know, be learning constantly about autism and uh, Fragile X syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's cool that you have that background and, you know, you're able to have, you know, that um, basic knowledge of just the different possibilities of, you know, diagnoses. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, let's get into your many hats that you wear, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not just mom, although that's the best hat to wear. Um, 
can you share a little bit about your nonprofit organization labeled and loved and just why you started it? Yeah, absolutely. So Labeled and Loved, myself and three other women who all love somebody with a label, with a diagnosis, we came together and just thought, what wasn't available for us at the beginning of our journey that we wish was? And the answer really is, you know, when you have a child who's diagnosed with anything, not even autism, a lot of resources and help come to support them, but nothing really specific comes to support the caregiver. So I was given a file of information information on autism, but I was kind of left hanging on how to care for myself and how to navigate this journey as a parent. And that can feel really alone and really isolating. And I'm just a big believer in connection and community. I think it's saved my life time and time again. And so that's what we did with Labeled and Loved. We came together. It's a 501c3 nonprofit where we provide connection and caregiving for caregivers. So we offer online opportunities, virtual mom groups called Sisterhood Circles, where no matter where you are on this planet, you can access them and you get paired with a group of women who have similar circumstances. The groups meet virtually every week and they're led by a background uh, checked and trained mentor. Um, And so that's a way to you know, a lot of us as caregivers can't leave our homes. So that's a way to connect and form sisterhood within those sisterhoods. Also offer in-person events. We have our annual retreat coming up in Florida this year. We do it in a new new spot of the country every year. Um, and it's really three days to just enrich the mom to fill her cup because we often know as, as moms, so often our cup is left empty. Uh, and it's a time to have fun and connect. And our last retreat in San Antonio, I was brought to my knees with just how much magic was in that room. There's just so much power in being with women who can understand. And quite frankly, that's where my journey began with my blog, Tinkles Our Pants, and everything that's unfolded from them was just my attempt to find women who got me, who could say, I get it. I get what you're going through instead of, I can't imagine. Um, and they, I can't imagine for well-intended, but they can't imagine. No one understands it unless they're living it. So Labeled and Loved is really going to do some incredible things and big, big things for systemic change within our community, but it all starts with connecting and empowering those moms. Yeah, that is so awesome. You know, um, first of all, thank you so much for doing what you do. Um, I think that your nonprofit is amazing. And so many uh, of our listeners are going to be so encouraged to hear that this exists because, um, you know, so many supports, whether it's in regards to um, education or therapies or, or uh, what have you, is so hard for some people to find uh, depending on, you know, where they live. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just music to my ears. Thank you. (laughs) And, um, feel free to send me the information on your event going on in, um, Florida and just how people can sign up. I'm, I'm happy to share. Absolutely. I sure will. Um, so Tinkles Her Pants is, is your kind of blog, right? Um, so how did, how did you start, that and what kind of things do you typically share on it? Yeah, Tinkle started in a very unorthodox way. Um, kind of the back behind the scenes story is that the day my daughter was diagnosed, I came home. I was a complete mess. I put her down for a nap and I started searching for a paper journal. I've always been, a you know, at heart a writer and just I get my 
thoughts and feelings out better on page. So I was looking for a paper journal so I could just write down what I was going through and I couldn't find one. So I grabbed my phone and I opened an Instagram account, which I didn't have at the time. And I thought, okay, this will be my journal. I won't tell anyone about it. My husband doesn't even know about it. I don't want friends. I don't want followers. I just want a space where I can post a real picture and tell a real story of my life right now. And so if you scroll back to the very start of Tinkles Her Pants Instagram, it's day one. It's diagnosis day. It's a picture of me with like these dark circles under my eyes from crying so much. And so what happened is I, I journaled to myself for two years. And meanwhile, I was keeping up my public persona, which I didn't have a following or a blog. I just had my you know friends and family on Facebook, but I was posting my pretty parts over there and then concealing my cracks on, on tinkles. And then one day we had posted our family photos and you know, family photos, they're perfect, right? You've got your hair done and everyone's posing and the photographers edited them and it's great. And somebody commented on my photo, one of my family members or friends, they just said, wow, you are perfect. And that word perfect just gutted me. In the past, it would have made me feel great. I would have felt really admired and really loved. But now I had had practice for two years of writing about my truest self, my truest life. And so it just made me feel icky. I didn't want to be perfect anymore. I wanted to be fully seen. And so I decided to do something a little crazy and make that private Instagram public. And that was my attempt to find people, to find anyone who could understand me. I didn't know a single person who had a child with autism. I didn't know a single person who had gone through the things I did with abuse and anxiety and health. And I just was desperate to connect. And so that was my attempt. And to my surprise, I found thousands of people who could relate. My story went viral. And from there, I have now built this amazing community of people around me. I've heard from women from, gosh, over a hundred people come with that message of me too, me too. I've been there. I get it. And now every day, personally and professionally, I'm free. I get to write and speak my truth. So it's really been a beautiful journey to just see the power of story sharing and also the power of vulnerability of what can happen when you start speaking about who you truly are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for sharing and and what a um, what a journey to, you know, get to that point where you start sharing publicly. That's definitely not an easy decision for sure. Um, but what would you say are some of the, you know, positives and even the, um, challenges to being open on social media and what has, uh, that process taught you? And, um, also how has it helped you reach, Uh, other families in the special needs community? Yeah, I think with social media, it's a double-edged sword. I think we've all experienced that, that there's really great, great things. And obviously one of those is that I've found my people. I found other women, mostly women. I think I have like a 2% male demographic, which is probably my husband. (laughs) um, Mostly women who just understand and other moms who get it or the best compliment of all is someone who's not a mom, who's not in my same demographic, and they say, I'm following you, and I'm learning so much about autism, or I'm mm. learning so much about what it's like to be vulnerable and open. And those are always the messages that hit home the most, because I love when I have an aha moment where I'm like, whoa, I never thought about that before. And so to hear somebody say, I have a new set of eyes because of you, or I'm open to neurodiversity because of you, is just the most beautiful 
compliment. I mean, I was really a big reader growing up. I was raised on the words of authors that I admire. And so to be able to pay that forward is just such a gift. And I think the drawback is whenever you're speaking really openly and honestly, you're going to receive criticism. I'm really lucky that, you know, the community I've built on Tinkles is very supportive they'll challenge me and push back, but always in really beautiful ways if there's any pushback at all. But when the bigger you get, the downfall is, you know, when things are shared on major publications or like when I did my TED talk or the Today Show or anything like that, I have a rule that I don't read the comment section. And that's because I've always said, I am here to release my truth. I am not here to manage response. So whether they're saying I'm an award-winning author or they're saying I'm total junk, it's not my business. My business was just to tell my truth. And if I can stand on the right side of my truth, then I've done my job. So I think that's my advice to anybody who who risks any degree of vulnerability, whether it's in their business or in their personal life, is just know that you're doing valid, solid work that you believe in. And then it doesn't matter what the world thinks. Um, But it has been really cool to connect with other women. And then obviously that opened the door to the nonprofit and so many opportunities professionally. So I would say way more peaks than valleys for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what an example of advocacy, you know, is um, when we put our stories out there, the hope is that it'll encourage others that you know, or maybe on this same or similar journey, but also, like you were saying, the uh, individuals that have said, um, you know, I'm not affected by uh, autism or anything, but I'm learning so much. I mean, yeah, that truly does uh, make an impact. And it's really an encouragement just to keep going. I I even get those messages sometimes um, with doing this podcast. And that's the best thing that someone who is affected by developmental delays and just, you know, neurodiversity in general, um, it's the best thing to hear. Um, it's just such an encouragement. So, um, I, I checked out your, um, tinkles her pants, um, blog and it was just so cool. I just love it and love everything that you do. Um, and you said you did a, uh, Ted talk. Um, how can people, find that and um, what what did you uh, uh, talk about if if it if you didn't already cover it <laughs> yeah sure so um talk is titled the problem with being perfect and you can find it on the TED website or you can find it on YouTube um, or on my site as well but I, I you know out of all the things that I could talk about, believe me, I have the gift of gab. There's a lot of things that could go on on, on and on about, but the problem <laughs> with being perfect was just really resonated with me. It's what I wanted to, you know, put my platform on because there's this idea in society that if we post our pretty or conceal it and conceal our cracks, that we will be admired, we will be loved, we'll be accepted. And I think that's true to a certain degree, but you also won't be connected. And so I don't want to be perfect and and admired. I want to be real and loved. Mm -hmm. And so my TED Talk is essentially going over just the power that your story has and also redefining the purpose of pain. I think we have the wrong memo about pain. I think it is there to send us a signal. I think it's there to unveil our people and our purpose. And I know for sure, without a doubt, I would not be here speaking to you today if I didn't access my pain and turn it 
into purpose and follow it and lead, lean into it. And so, um, you know, there's a part in my TED talk where I kind of lightly talk about my time as a labor and delivery nurse and also my time as, you know, a mom in many play groups. And it's so funny because women have no problem sharing their birth story, right? We kind of use it even as a, as a badge of honor. I got a C-section <laughs> or I had a natural birth and we talk about, and that's pain, right? After every single labor story before the birth of something beautiful, comes a lot of excruciating pain. And so I challenge people to say, why is it that we can talk about our birth story as easily as we can talk about our Starbucks order? We can just rattle it off and we can talk (laughs) about that physical pain so easily with other women, but we can't talk about our other stories and scars. And I think that's a detriment. I think that needs to be reshaped because there's also a birth of something beautiful when you can connect and share those things too. So that's kind of it in a nutshell and just talking about how your life really can change and not everybody has to have a big platform or announce things in a grand way like I did, but share your truth somewhere, share it with a friend, share it with a therapist, share it on a stage or a page. I don't care. I just want you to have a space to be yourself. It'll change your life. Absolutely. Do you think that by, um, you know, uh, actively doing those things in your own life of uh, just sharing your pain and being open open about it do you feel like it's um, brought you uh, healing or in and closure oh yeah I mean I wouldn't be here I wouldn't I I would be I don't even want to imagine where without what I've done through sharing my story I was sad alone clinically depressed feeling the, just the threat of comparison when you scroll and scroll and you see these families, whether, whether they're projecting their perfection or they actually are, but you're seeing children hit milestones and families going on these trips and vacations and perfect marriages and perfect kids. It was destroying me. And so I just think by sharing my truth and hearing other people say me too, I know that I'm not alone in this battle. And there's great comfort in community and knowing you're not alone. Absolutely, there is. Um, You know, in regards to um, educating others around you, whether it's family or friends or even people that you've never met before, how do you go about um, sharing with them about autism and, and specifically, you know, uh, how it affects your your children. So if like someone comes up to you and like uh, you've never met them before and they kind of just ask you about your family, um, how, how do you go about educating others on um, neurodiversity? Because I feel like this is a question that, um, you know, especially new parents to the, uh, you know, whether it's autism community or, or, or what have you, um, sometimes uh, it, it takes some time to kind of figure out what or how to explain things. But um, what is your advice for how to um, handle those, those moments? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, I'm not an expert at autism, but I'm an expert at my child. And mm-hmm. that can go for every parent, right? So I only can speak for my children and my family, which if you come to my page, that's the purpose. I'm sharing my story. And if parts of that story resonate with you, 
awesome. I'm so glad that those words rippled outward and you might see something in your children that is also present in mine. But every situation, every child with autism is so unique, even between my two children. I mean, my kids have the same genetics, live in the same household, have the same diagnosis, but their autism is totally different. So I always encourage people, I used to use a blanket statement of, you know, my kids are high functioning, which now I've learned from the autistic community is somewhat insulting because we all have areas of our life we need help functioning with. And when you say high functioning, it kind of almost makes the person saying it more at ease and doesn't really help the person experiencing it. And I can totally understand that now, how you know, just saying, oh, my kids are high functioning doesn't give anyone any information about them. And it almost dismisses their challenges just as low functioning dismisses someone's strengths. It doesn't play into, you know, how they have beautiful qualities and strengths. So instead of using functional labels or just saying autism and hoping people understand it, I just describe my child. So if I'm bringing them to a new church group or a new daycare or a new experience, and I meet someone who doesn't know about autism or doesn't know about my child, I will say, hi, you know, this is my daughter with autism. Here's her strengths. Here's areas that she's really great at. She's very friendly and outgoing and she has a lot of energy and she's artistic and creative, but here's some of the challenges with her autism. I want you to watch her because she gets easily distracted. So if you're crossing a street, she may not look up to see if there's a car. I want you to um, know that she has challenges with social speech. So she knows how to make friends, but not how to keep them. She needs help with those things. So I just try to describe my specific child. And that's what I would encourage parents to do. You know your child better than anyone. So give people the label, but then also give them a look behind the label. And I think that's how people will get more comfortable with autism or any diagnoses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, With your children's um, educators, have you ever, you know, had to, um, have you ever had to educate them more on your children or have you found that um, those that have been able to work with your children have been pretty knowledgeable? How has that journey um, been for you? Because, you know, so many families in the um, special needs community, you know, it's kind of, um, a teeter totter. Some, you know, some schools that their children go to, they're pretty uh, well educated on autism or whatever, um, you know, they have, and then other places are not. And for those parents that are experiencing um, a place of education where maybe the maybe the teachers or um, other professionals need to be educated more on how to best support their child. How what would be your advice on that, or have you had um, experience in in needing to step in as a parent and and educate those around your children in the uh, education circle? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll I'll preface this with saying my children now go to a developmental uh, private school that is autism specific. So thankfully, they teach me more than about autism than I teach them. Oh, wow, that's so cool. Well versed in it. Um, But I know that those type of schools um, where they can have more support and, you know, insurance can help pay for some of their therapies while they're in the classroom, that is rare. Um, And so my daughter actually started out. Um, her kindergarten year was when 
COVID hit. Um, So she got almost through her kindergarten year in public education. And so I remember being so nervous. Um, My children fall in that gray area where um, they have autism, they have a diagnosis, but the education system didn't deem them severe enough to have a lot of support, which is really scary because there's still a lot of areas that they need help with. So I had to go in. Luckily, she had a really, really great teacher, but I made a little book on that teacher orientation day that said all about me. And I kind of, in a fun way, told Campbell's story through Campbell's eyes. I gave a lot of insight to that teacher and I made so they could pass, pass them out to the PE teacher and the music teacher, whoever she was going to be interacting with. I wanted them to see all of her strengths to not be scared about autism, but also the challenges too. And of course, we had IEPs and ARDS and all of that where I definitely had to advocate. But it is one of the initiatives eventually with Labeled and Loved will be within the educational system because this is a huge gap area. Because if you get a teacher, Campbell was in a typically developing classroom with very, very little to no support. So if that teacher only had training on autism 20 years ago back in college, she may not be well-versed on how to support Campbell or children like her in the classroom. And unfortunately, school systems aren't funded to provide that continuing education and training. Mm -hmm. So it is... um, something you have to fiercely advocate for. Um, Don't take the given as a given. My suggestion for all parents is, you again, you know your child best. Um, And you can go about it in a very loving way, but in a firm and direct way of this is what my child needs. And if you can't provide it, how are we going to go about doing so? So I'm excited to get into the educational space and sector. Um, It's really um, an area that it intimidates me and excites me because it's right. time, for, time for some change. Yes, it certainly is. <laughs> um, well, that is such amazing in, uh, wisdom and just advice. Um, you know, the better we can support our educators, um, you know, the better I think of an experience um, our children are going to have, um, you know, whether it's joining your child's PTA um, at their school or, you know, and just being involved in, in um, their school, I think is so important too. So um, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, uh, is there anything else that you would like to um, share with our listeners before we kind of wrap up here? Well, we've covered so much. I think, I, know. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, if anyone, uh, any diagnosis, any disability is welcome at the Labeled and Loved as an organization, but also as at the retreat. So um, I just can't emphasize enough. I did, I, I planned it all. I was, I was, I knew what was going to happen. And that first year I still found myself just sobbing and then laughing and experiencing just this beautiful array of emotions. And so um, if anybody is listening and wants to attend, we still have some tickets available. Our dates this year, September 29th through October 2nd in Daytona Beach, Florida, but we will also be announcing in the fall where our our next location will be. It's top secret right now, but, <laughs> um, but 
just if you missed that one, please jump on board for the next one. And we're um, also have Moms Mingles, which are just one night events throughout the country and throughout the year. Um, I attend a lot of them to speak at. So please know there's lots of opportunities and you can find me at Tinkles Her Pants on Facebook and Instagram. And, and I'm happy to point you in the right direction because no one should have to do this alone. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, just for your time, Stephanie, it's been such a pleasure talking with you and just, um, thank you so much too, for just responding to my initial, um, message to you. I was so thrilled to hear back from you and I, um, I just love everything that you are doing. And again, I just, I just can't thank you enough for all that you do to support other families. Um, and I just wish you all of the best with your family, with um, all of your uh, amazing projects and, and nonprofit organization. I hope that the um, conference in, in Florida is amazing and that families just, you know, feel well supported uh, by your organization. Oh, thank you. Right back at you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Same to you. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.